Well, good morning, everyone. You guys are still blessed. We are blessed. We are the children of God. Man, you have to think about that for a moment, the children of God. Uh, I, I really believe with all of my heart, with all my passion, with everything in me, that God is getting ready to do something among this group of people right here. Uh, and I think today, as I, as I speak for a few moments, that I, I want to wrap up the, this series we've been talking about of looking up in our relationship with God and looking in in our relationship with one another and looking out in our relationship with those that don't know Christ. And today I want to speak to you on, on the topic of that we are better together. Better together. It's kind of like peanut butter without jelly. What's the use? Peanut butter and jelly just go together, don't they? So if, several years ago, we were in San Francisco, I decided I had this great idea that I was going to have a team building uh, event. And the San Francisco Giants were playing, and it was a day game on a Wednesday. I loved it. For one, it was a day game. Two, I got to be out in the, in the sunshine, and I, got, and I was able to eat some uh, garlic fries over at AT&T Park. And three, the uh, tickets were really cheap. I didn't tell the staff that. Um, so, uh, so we decided we took, I grabbed everybody, we got in the car, we went over, and, and man, we had great seats. It was a beautiful beautiful day. In fact, if you've ever gone to a, a game where the San Francisco Giants are playing in their home, AT&T Park, it is the most beautiful baseball park in the United States. Because if they're doing great, it's wonderful. When they're not doing great, you get to look out and you have this panoramic view of, of, the, of the bay. You can see the bridges. You can see downtown. You can see McCovey Cove in the, in the sailing ships. It's just incredible. So we're, we're there and we're enjoying the game. And then it started and the Giants were down. This was, the, by the way, this was the first year they actually won the pennant. First time in like 50 years, right? So, so, they're, so they're, they're down, and, and we stay through the seventh inning. It gets down to the bottom of the seventh inning, seventh inning stretch, and we're there, and the Giants are down nine to three. And we thought, it's done. It's over. So as a collective group, we decided, hey, let's get out of here. Let's beat the traffic because... It's always a good thing to beat the traffic. So we decided to leave, and, and we walked our way out, and, and there's a little uh, parking lot not too far from the Bay Bridge. And, and, uh, and if you're local, you kind of know where that, that parking lot is. So we walked over, got in the car, took off, jumped on the ramp, and got on the Bay Bridge, heading back over toward Berkeley. And then as we were heading over, we just turned on the radio just to kind of hear the game wrap up. We missed the eighth inning where the Giants had scored two runs and made it nine to five. And we turned on the radio just in time to hear the crack of the bat of a grand slam that tied the game. The Giants won and I lost. 
I could have been a contender. People were saying, oh man, did you see the game? And I thought, well, I have a ticket stub. (laughs) I missed it. I missed it because I didn't think it was going to be worth it. Just I didn't want to watch them lose. And we had so many other things to do. After all, we had a a prayer group that night. and, And all of these things, all these different ideas were running through my head. And I thought, well, man, maybe we should just go ahead and and go. And we went and we missed the end of the game. And to this day, it doesn't bother me at all. Can you tell? (laughs) Oh, oh, it really got me. It's like, oh, one of the greatest games ever. And I missed it. Wow. In the passage of scripture we just read on the day of Pentecost. Wow. Can you imagine being there? Scripture tells us that Scripture tells us that in, in that upper room on that day of Pentecost, there were about 120 people. Can you imagine? Here's these 120 people, and, and they're followers of Christ. One of them is, is uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and some of his, uh, uh, his half-brothers and, and sisters. And then, and then you have the apostles, and you have all these other followers. There's 120 people, and these 120 people have followed Jesus for three and a half years, and it wasn't just the 12 that followed him, but there were many others that followed him, and and they were in this upper room because they had been there when Jesus was doing the miraculous throughout his ministry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being there when Jesus turned water into wine? Can you imagine being there when Jesus opened blind eyes or, or he unstopped deaf ears? Or, or perhaps, uh, perhaps they were there when, when Jesus stood in front of the tomb of Lazarus that had been dead for three days. And, and, and he looked and said, Lazarus, come forth. And out of that tomb walked a man that had been dead for three days. Wow. They were there. They saw it all. They heard his teachings. They also watched him go through a mockery of a trial. They watched him as he was whipped. They watched him as he was beaten. They watched him as he was hung on a cross. And they watched him give his last breath. Can you imagine the despair that was going in their hearts and in their minds. This is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. I've been following him. I've seen him do these amazing things. And now he's gone. And yet three days later, he rises from the grave. And they see it. They see it. They catch it. They see Jesus, the one that died, but now he's alive and and they're able to talk with him. They're able to to meet with him. They're able to hear him. They're able to, to have fellowship with him. It's one of the most amazing things ever. And yet... Here they are, and when Jesus ascends into heaven, many of them were there, and and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for me until you receive power from on high, and then you're going to be my witnesses. And what happened was they went, this 120 that heard him, and they went, and and they were there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, 
50 days after Passover, after Christ was crucified. And, and here they are in this upper room, and, they, and all of a sudden a sound like a mighty rushing wind just fills this room. And they begin speaking in languages they don't know. How cool would that be? Wow! It's just incredible. And people are saying, oh man, they're, they're just drunk. And, and, they, and they get up and they say, oh no, 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 it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And they, they have this amazing experience where the, where the birth of the church, and they were there, they did not miss it. Wow, would you love to have been there? Here's a sad thing. 1 Corinthians tells us, after he was risen, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. You know what that tells me? At the writing of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is saying that some of them are still present. Some of them have fallen asleep or had died, but many of them were still around. 75 plus percent of those that had hung out with Jesus, that had seen the miraculous, that saw him crucified, that saw him rise from the dead, that saw him after, after he had conquered death. They were there and they heard him say, go to Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And out of the 500, only 120 make it. What happened to the 380? What happened to the, to the 75 plus percent? Wow, I know how they feel, kind of, sort of, not really. Because after all, a phenomenal baseball game is nothing compared to the birthday of the church. But they missed it. And in my mind, I was wondering what would possess them to miss it. Perhaps some of them went and they were in the room, and then, but then something called, you know, maybe business or, or, or they had to go take care of something. And maybe they had stepped out for a little while, but there was something that caused them to not be there. Scripture doesn't tell us what it is, so it's only speculation. So I flipped the, the conversation in my mind, and I thought if I can't, determine what kept them away perhaps i can understand what kept the 120 there and that's looking at the half glass full rather than empty anyway and i'd rather do that so let's take a look at that in acts chapter 2 verse 1 where they just read the bible says when the day of pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place one place they were together they were together do you realize that the church started with people together that the church that you and i that we celebrate were part of and and it's not this building and i and i really like the building and i liked all the buildings around here but that's not the church you're the church you're the ones that christ died for you're the ones that 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 god has put together and it happened because they were together, that nobody was isolated, but they were together. And it started getting me to think about all the different ways our adversary tries to get us to separate and to move away and not experience life together. Because the church, in its design and designed by God, is that we live life together, that the miraculous happens together. 
that, that great things happen when God's people hang out with one another because as the scripture says, iron sharpens iron or, or faith is increased when you're hanging around others that have faith. I mean, we saw a, a great testimony today with Marilyn standing here and saying, I thank you for supporting me for eight years. You have part of that celebration because you, the church, said, Marilyn, you can do it. And it was Marilyn's dedication and it was your dedication to Marilyn that made that happen. And that's how God has established the church. But there's one word in this passage of scripture I want to I want to camp on this morning, and, and we're just going to stay there, and when I'm tired of talking about it, we're going to quit. And it's the word accord, accord. You say, well, how many people can get into a Honda Accord? Well, evidently 120. Um, <laughs> that's an old joke. I have plenty more where that came from. Uh, but they were with one Accord. Accord is an amazing word. It's, it's, a, com, it's a compound word. It's a combination word. Um, and it's really interesting. It actually means to, to move together swiftly. Kind of like you ever seen a school of fish just dart to and four and they're all in unison. Or, or a flock of birds that kind of shift and no one's up there saying, okay guys, we're going to take a right. Ready, set, go. It, it, they just do. And, and that's, they were with one accord. They were in unison. They were moving swiftly together in unison. And, and, it's, and it's kind of broken down into to three parts. The, the word is, it's an interesting word. And, and it has three distinct meanings. That they were moving together swiftly in unison. And one was, they had a unity of thought, of mind, of purpose. That, that they were of the same opinion that there were weren't two opposing views there was one and this is what it was they believed jesus when jesus said go stay at jerusalem until you receive power they said that's exactly what i'm going to do because i believe what you say is true do you understand that, that, that we as the body of Christ, as, as followers of Jesus, that we are given commands, we are given uh, promises in the word of God that are to be acted on because of our unity in thought? When the scripture says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and make disciples, it, it's not to, to make disciples just individually, one person at a time, but it's a collective body moving together. I still believe in the unity of thought within the church, that the great commission is given to all of us, not to just some of us, that we don't just send missionaries around the world and support them, but every single one of us is a missionary, whether it's around the world or around the corner, that all of us are the children of the living God, that all of us have the good news, then all of us can share and be used by God. Now, I, and you say, well, Pastor, that's just a real simple thought. Well, it is a simple thought, and to be honest, truth is really simple. You don't have to fabricate it. You don't have to build it up. Truth is truth. There is, there is so many things in the Scripture about having unity of thought, 
of per, is just moving ahead with, with one thought. And, and I believe with all of my heart that, that God's people, God's church, when they begin to focus in on, on what God has called them to do, that we make disciples, then when we begin to move in quickly, swiftly, in unison, there is nothing that can stop that body of believers. When, that, when a body of believers get beyond the point of what song we're singing or, or what color of, of carpet we want, and, and we look at the fundamentals of, of Christ crucified, that we are called to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, when we really understand what Christ has called us to and he has commissioned us, when we rise as one, when we move as one, there is nothing that can stop us because we're standing on the word of God keep in mind it's never about us it's always about him but it's about us obeying his word and there's just something that happens when God's people take him at his word he always shows up man I want to see that wow accord one mind the second, the second part of that, that passage is not only one accord, but it's one, one commitment. A commitment. They were all in. They weren't there just to, to be there. They were committed to the cause. They were there. It's kind of like a marriage. When you say, I do, it's, well, I do. And, um, you know, and it's just, you're committed. Children are a commitment. For the rest of your life. When you're born into the church, the family of God, you have a commitment. Scripture tells us to love one another and to encourage one another and to build one another up and to strengthen one another. And, and we have a commitment that there's nothing that can keep us from wavering. That we believe, that we know, that we know, that we know. Years ago, when I was, when I was really young, uh, I worked in a, an automotive store. This is back in 1979, 1980, somewhere in there. And, and one of the things that I do know is back then, a voltage regulator for a Chevrolet cost $3.67. And the reason why I know that, you say, well, you just have a great memory. No, that one's embedded in my mind for a particular reason. Because I remember selling a voltage regulator to a young man that went out, and later that afternoon, that evening, before the store closed, he came back in. I was the only one that was working, and he said, I want my money back. And I said, well, we have a policy, sir, that, that we do not give refunds or for electrical problem parts, because here's what happens. If... if what we do is, you know, they'd buy it and then they'd go try it on their car. If that didn't work, then they would take it back and say, hey, give me another part. And they would try to do the hunt and peck method to try to fix their car. So, so it was a good rule. It was, a, you know, I agreed with it. I liked it. And, and he said, I want my money back. And I said, sir, we have a policy right here. It's on the wall. It says no refunds or exchanges on any electrical items. And he said, I want my money back. And I think, yeah, this guy doesn't get it. And I said, sir, would you look at the wall? And he looked, 
And he looked at me and said, I want my money back. And I said, look at the wall. Do you want me to read it for you again? And it was about that time that he pulled a gun out on me and said, I want my money back. And I said, yes, sir, do you want a fan belt with that? I liked the policy. It was a great policy. It saved the company money. But I wasn't committed to it. <laughs> this group of 120, they were committed, man. They were committed. They were all in. There was nothing that was going to deter them from being there. Something happened to the 380 plus that something happened that they had to go and do something else or be some other place. But this 120 said, I'm all in. Jesus said, stay here. I'm staying. I don't care what happens. I don't care how hungry I get. I don't care, um, you know, how warm the room is. I don't care. I'm just going to stay right here until it happens. They were committed. If you and I want to see God's blessings, not only do we need to be in the same mind that, that all the things that God has for us, that, that He will do when we begin to, to think alike and act alike and focus on the, on the key elements of, of, being, of Christ crucified, on the, on the good news of the gospel, but we need to be all in. Because our adversary is really good at trying to chip us away, to move us away, to get the one away from the, the, the fold and, and try to help us understand or think that we can live on our own and out there. And all along, Christ gave us the church so we could be together, so we could have friendship, fellowship. But it requires commitment 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 that you're in it that you're in it for the long haul took me a long time to and you know when when the lord first started speaking to my heart about serving him it took me almost a year to the day for me to surrender my heart and life and because i didn't want to give up who i was or who i thought i was but when i did i realized i'm going to be in this and I'm going to be in it for the long haul. Because if I'm going to make this decision, I'm going to make it and it's going to be lifelong. Because I don't want to be in and be out. And those that, that received all the blessing of the Lord, they, they were like-minded. They had one goal, one passion. They believed God's word. They also were committed to it. And the third thing, when you look at the word accord not only were they of the same belief not only did they, were they all committed they had one passion one passion that their heart was in it see when you're when you're serving god you can serve god with commitment for a while but jesus said wherever your heart is that's where your treasure, or where, rather your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And wherever, whatever you think is more valuable, that's where you're going to place your passion, your heart, your desire. And if you want to, to experience it all, if you want to see it all, 
it requires more than just believing it. It requires more than being committed to it. But if you want to stay for the long haul, it requires a passion in you that you want to worship God. You want to see Him. You want to be like Him. And, 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 and things like the Lord's return, they don't scare you. You look forward to it, that you look forward to hearing that trumpet sound, and you look forward to, to living and ruling and reigning with Christ. But this world has a way of distracting us and, and causing us to think about the things of, of, of this life, about our jobs and about our careers and about the houses we want to buy and the, and the cars we want to drive and, and all, the, all the children need this and the grandchildren need that. And there's so many things that pull us in so many different ways. But if we keep our passion on Christ, It's been said that, that living for Christ easy is really hard. If you're trying to barely get in, if you just want to get out of hell free card. It's hard living for him. Why? Because your passion's not in it. Your desire's not there. So I, I love watching uh, team, good teams, sports teams that are really good. And one of the things that marks winning teams is, is they have a, a passion and a drive to win. That they're willing to, to be committed. They have one thought, we're going to win. They are committed to that. And they don't care who makes the shot. They don't care who scores the touchdown. They don't care. It's not about me taking the team. It's about a team effort that they just want to win and there's a passion in their heart and a drive in their in their spirit that causes them to do more than just talent alone there's a synergy that happens uh, that when god's people get together and they're passionate about following christ and they're passionate about serving christ and they're passionate about living life together something amazing happens it's attractive to other believers and it's attractive to those that don't know Christ because we are the light of the world. And if you take one match and light it, it illuminates a little bit. But you put a thousand matches together flame is brighter. Wow. Looking up, our relationship with Christ, looking in, our relationship with one another, looking out, and our relationship to those that don't know Him, are all formed together, meshed together, by this one concept of accord, being together, that we are better together than we are apart. Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you today? If there's an area of your life that you've been trying to live isolated, thinking, oh, I'll just handle that over here, or, or, or maybe I'll just try to deal with it and nobody will know, I would encourage you, begin living life together. Focus on, on the on the belief that Christ has called us together 
and that there is nothing impossible for the church of God when they have their mind set on the promises of God. The miraculous happens when God's people trust in the miracle worker. Be all in. Stay committed to him. Doesn't matter what's around us. Doesn't matter what, what is distracting us. Stay all in. Stay focused on him. I promise you, this life doesn't take long to live. When my, my family was talking this week and they realized how close I was getting to 60. And there was a moment of hush and silence. I believe they started looking at making plans. <laughs> doesn't take long to live a life. It really doesn't. And the life to come is what we're shooting for. But if you want to have a joyful life here, if you want to be victorious, if you want to have that spirit in you that says, it is well with my soul, that you know, that you know, that you know that when the Lord comes, you are going to be with him because you trust his word, you're committed to his cause, and you have a passion in your heart to see him. When you allow those things in your life, there's nothing that can stop the church of God. Would you stand with me?